I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Okay. So as uh, Renee mentioned earlier, we did a prophetic identity workshop this morning. How many of you guys were here for that? Just so I didn't get a chance to see. All right. Wonderful. Did you guys enjoy it? Awesome. Well, we're going to be, because this is kind of billed as a prophetic conference weekend, so we did the workshop this morning. I'm going to be sharing tonight on a similar topic, and then Dano's going to be preaching in the morning. Um, I want to share today three access points for discovering your heavenly identity. Three access points for discovering your heavenly identity. You guys, I'm going to come to you today as an equipping prophet, but also as an apostolic mother, because I have a burden in my heart today. How many of you guys would agree that this generation is having an identity crisis? There are people who don't know who they are, even at their basic created DNA level. That is an identity crisis if I've ever heard of one. And do you guys believe that we are called to redeem and impact culture? I know this church believes in that. I have seen the fruit of this church as it's gone into the city and it's gone into this region to really impact. Did you know that you cannot redeem culture without redeeming identity? We can talk about redeeming culture all day long, but if you don't redeem the core of a person's identity, you will not actually be um, impactful. If we want to redeem culture, we must understand God's original heart and design and intent for that particular culture's identity. And so I believe that just as an individual uh, has a heavenly identity, so a culture does as well. And so uh, the two most important questions in the kingdom of God are found in uh, Matthew 16, verses 16 through 19. Two most important questions in the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's asking them and he says, who do you say I am? And, you know, some say, oh, some say you're this and some say you're that. He's like, well, who do you say I am? And Peter turns to him and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So the two most important questions in the kingdom of God is number one, who do, who do you say that Christ is? Who do you say Christ is? And number two, who does he say I am? Who does Christ say I am? See, the first question speaks to Christ's identity. Who do you say Christ is? But the second question actually speaks to your prophetic or heavenly identity. Who does he say that you are? Um, I love the way that Dano, actually, how do you say this, Dano? You're like, the first question gets us into heaven, and the second question gets heaven into us. Yeah, you can quote me, but it was Dano's. Okay, I'll just let you guys know. So what's interesting is that the two areas of life where the enemy will always come at you uh, corresponds to these two important questions, you guys. See, the enemy will always question your revelation of Jesus, and he will always challenge your heavenly identity. Um, Matthew 3.16, of course, we know that Jesus goes out into the wilderness, and right after 
do you guys remember this scene where the, he's at the River Jordan, the, the waters part, the dove descends on Jesus, and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased right? Do you guys remember that? And then right after that, it says that Jesus was taken into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by the enemy. Now, what's interesting is that every single test that came against Jesus had to do with his heavenly identity, right? If you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself from this, from this pinnacle, right? See, He was able to overcome every single test because he knew his heavenly identity. He knew who heaven said that he was. See, we were talking today about how to discover your prophetic identity, your heavenly identity. We hear a lot about identity these days. It's such a buzzword, right? Like everyone's talking about identity, but I don't know if you guys are like me. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, it's cool that that's all the buzzword, but tell me how to discover or know what is my heavenly identity. So I'm going to break it down for you guys really simply. Um, I hope you guys, some of you guys might be note takers. I'm going to be giving you guys a lot of meat today. Are you guys ready for that? Are you good for that? Like, I really want you guys to be transformed today and to walk away from this place without a question of knowing where to access and discover who God says you are. So your heavenly identity, let's just define that really quickly. Very simply, your heavenly identity or your prophetic identity is who God says you are. I know that's really simple, but I guarantee you that every struggle you're facing right now has to, probably, has to do with either this question or who you believe God is. Every struggle can go back to, do you believe who God says you are or do you believe who God says he is? Right? So who, what is your heavenly identity? It's who God says we are, and that's what we call our heavenly identity. This is your truest identity. It's not, it's who you really are. It's not who you think you are or even think you should be. I love this quote from Dano. He says, the truest thing about you in the universe is who God says you are. The truest thing in the universe is who God says you are. This is why knowing who God says you are matters, you guys, because your perception of your identity will absolutely affect your destiny. The key to your destiny is actually found in your perception of your identity. They are directly, intricately connected. I'll give you some examples of some people who had the wrong identity and you can see kind of the fallout of their destiny as a result. Adam and Eve, basic, right? Adam and Eve, when God came to them, who told you that you were naked? What did that, what fruit did that cause when Jesus, when God came to them? They ran away and hid, right? Who told you that you were naked? That was an identity that they had started, they had took on. And so they hid and it caused them to run away from God. The Israelites, right? The Israelites, when they were sent out to the promised land and they sent out the spies, the 12 spies to the promised land, the 10 spies came back with the wrong, bad report. The two spies came back with the good report. Do you guys remember what the 10 spies said? What identity did they assign themselves? Exactly. 
They said, oh yes, the promised land is great. Everything God said was true, but there were giants in the land and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That was an identity, you guys. That was an identity that they were taking on. Moses, when God came to Moses and he said, hey, you are a free man. You're the only free man in the millions of people of Israel. And I need a free man to take my people out of slavery. Remember? So he comes up to Moses and he talks to Moses about becoming the deliverer. And Moses had his own identity crisis because he told God, he said, I am not eloquent enough to deliver your people. He had an identity that he was not qualified. And he almost forfeited his future destiny as deliverer of Israel. Come on, you guys. What you believe about your identity will either promote you into destiny or cause you to forfeit it. What you believe. It's not even necessarily what God says because there's a whole other step to get to to believing what God says. What you believe about your identity will either promote you into destiny or it will cause you to forfeit it. I know I've shared this story before, um, but I feel like it just really emphasizes the point. So my daughter, Faith, who she loves it when I share the story because it's, it's, she loves it. Anyway, she was three years old and I used to take her on these mommy-daughter errands around town. And so we would go places and I would see people that I would know around town and I'd say, oh, Faith, can you say hi to so-and-so? And she would do this thing where she'd kind of like give a little pouty face and just kind of grunt and be like, ah, like just kind of like, like anyone with a three-year-old knows what I'm talking about, right? Two or three-year-old. And so like, but it happened enough times that I'm like, something's not right here. Now, I'm not one of those moms that think my child has to be perfect, okay? So that, that was not what this was about. So I pull her aside privately, and I would say, hey, Faith, when mommy's introducing you, like, what's going on? Because it wasn't consistent with her personality. And so she would tell me, she would say in her little two, three-year-old voice, she'd say, I shy, mommy, I shy. Now, I believe that shy is a lie from the enemy, right? Like there is not a fruit of the spirit of shy, you guys. And I have too many friends and people that I've seen that have embraced the identity and the lie of shy for too long that it's absolutely impacted their lives and it's impacted their destiny. And I, as her mother, was not going to let that happen to her. That's one of the assignments of a mother right there. So I would turn to her and I would say, honey, you're not shy. You've got the the lion of the tribe of Judah roaring inside of you. And I would speak that destiny over her. You've got the lion of the tribe. You're not shy. And I would speak the truth of heaven was, not just the the lack of the false identity, but the truth of her heavenly identity. Her name is Faith. Like that is, that faith roars, guys. I don't know about you, but faith is mighty. Faith takes down mountains. Faith is not shy. And so I would speak that over her. And I noticed probably within about like six months, she would start to say hello to people when we went out. And now, honestly, out of all three of my children, she is by far the most bold and outgoing and courageous when it comes to meeting new people. And so that was something that she overcame. Okay, can you see that this was an identity, a false identity that was trying to get on my daughter? That was not her heavenly identity. And I could see as her mother, I could see into her future that if she believed that, 
for decades and decades, it would absolutely limit her destiny, right? And so this is why knowing your heavenly identity is so vital as believers so that we can walk in the fullness of our destiny. Okay, as a mother, I am incredibly burdened for this next generation. You guys, like we talked about this identity crisis. My other daughter, you know, this was her first year in public school as a freshman. You know, she would come home and she would share these stories where there's so many kids in her class that are like, you know, they're, they're gay and they're, they're homosexual and the pressure to do that, to transition to that. You know, there was one kid, I remember she was saying she overheard this conversation with a kid that was walking behind her and they're like, Somebody told me that I gave them like vamp vibes, like vampire vibes, and I think that's cool. I think I'm gonna start identifying as a vampire now. Totally serious, like not as a joke. Like they were suddenly gonna, you know, identify as a vampire. And, um, you know, I have a, my, a former hairdresser whose daughters are in junior high, 11 and 12 year old, and it is the uncool thing to be straight. The pressure that is on the next generation right now when it comes to their gender. And you guys, I want you to know, I did talk with your leaders about this because this is a real problem right now. And I believe, you guys, I believe that what is happening in this generation, it's less a morality and issue and it's more a spirit of confusion that is on this issue. It is, not, it is less a morality issue and more an identity crisis. This is an identity crisis. And you see, what happens is the enemy knows if he can cause confusion at the very core of our identity, then chaos will ensue. And so how as kingdom believers do we combat this? I believe with all my heart that the key, one of the major keys to this is living from heavenly identity. It's discovering who heaven says you are and living from that place. And so I don't just want to preach that we all need to do this. I want to show you how to discover it. I want to, again, give you guys three places that you can discover heavenly identity, who God says you uniquely are, but not just you. I want to give you the tools that you need so you can discover the heavenly identity of the next generation and those that you have impact to. I believe that we are called to speak life and declare into these kids, into this next generation, who God says that they are. I believe it would turn things around, you guys. I believe it would turn things around. So let me share with you guys again three places we can discover our heavenly identity or who God says you are. The first place is scripture. Scripture. Growing up, my brother and sister used to tease me that I was the milkman's daughter. I have no idea why. But you know how like siblings just do this? And this is before I understood how like like people are born and stuff and conceived. And so it really traumatized me um, because honestly, I really loved my father and I wanted to be his daughter. Like I wanted to know what family I belonged to. And so the first place that we want to discover our heavenly identity is to know what family you belong to. You need to know what family you belong to. I love this passage. Uh, just as the Bible gave the physical genealogy of Jesus, right? Matthew, I think Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it's like, 
And Adam begat Seth, and Seth begat, you guys right? Okay, that's the physical genealogy to Jesus. I believe just as the Bible does that, I believe scripture gives a prophetic genealogy for us as believers. It tells every single believer who they are and what, fi- what their family looks like. So we like to say at Prophetic Company that the Bible gives us our last name or our surname and prophecy gives us our first name. So the Bible gives us our last name. It tells us collectively who we are as the family of God, but prophecy actually speaks to the unique expression of who God created you distinctly to be. Our last names, what do our last names do, you guys? They connect us with our family, right? You're connected. It it connects you with your parents, with your siblings, with that crazy uncle, you know, with the cousins over there. It's like it connects you as a family by that last name. In the same way, there are last names, proverbial last names in Scripture that connect us not only to our Heavenly Father, but to one another, I'm going to share with you just a few heavenly identity family names that belongs to every single one of us, all right? The first one is this, child of God, Galatians 3.26. I'm a child of God. We are child of God. That is one of your last names, right? Co-heirs with Christ, Romans 8.17. We are co-heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? That means everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Okay, yay. But would you live differently if you actually believed that? We are co-heirs with Christ. Guys, we know some of these. We don't know some of these. We are not fully living and walking and believing in these yet. And some of it's just because we didn't know that this is part of our heavenly identity. But again, we want to start mobilizing this for you guys. Okay, another uh, family name, ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, for those who want to look those up. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are not from this kingdom. We are from another kingdom. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you realize that every single one of these names is actually connected to your identity? When it's connected to your identity, it's who you are. Therefore, it's what you do. We are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3:20 to 21. We are citizens of heaven. I've traveled on on five other continents, on six continents all over the world. Whenever I go to another country, I love those other countries. I love India, I love Australia, I love all these places. But it doesn't matter how much I love those places, I could never vote there because I'm not a citizen of that country. Okay, you're a citizen of heaven. Are you making your vote count? (laughs) Some of y'all need to be voting in heaven, right? There are things that God is waiting for his body to catch on to. And I believe even as a heavenly identity, some of these names who he's already called you, he's waiting for us to believe. You're a friend of Christ. I love that. John 15, 15, no longer are you servants who do not know what he is doing? 
as friends, we have access to his will. You're a friend of Christ. You walk around and be like, I'm a friend of Christ. I'm a friend of Christ. A new creation. Thank God. We are new creations. This is one of your last names. This is a heavenly identity. Is this who heaven already sees you right now? You know what we do? We look in the mirror and we see the old nature. We see what we did wrong yesterday. We see what we did wrong the last 20 years. And Jesus only sees a new creation. When are you going to start living from your heavenly identity? You are a new creation. I am. Come on, just say, I am a new creation. Say it like you mean it. I am a new creation. How would you live if you really believed that you were a new creation? It would change every decision you make if you knew that you were a new creation. And, and now how about this one? Saints. We're saints, right? Why would you still identify as sinners when he calls you a saint? Right? This is your last name, you guys. This is our family name. This is what connects us to God, but also connects us to one another. We should not be relating to one another as sinners. This is our last name. You're a saint. Hello, saint. I'm a saint too. We're all part of the same family. How about this? Light of the world. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Jesus was the light of the world, but you know what he says now? You're the light of the world. That's a family name. This is a heavenly identity. Again, if you know you're the light of the world, how would you walk into the grocery store next time? How would you walk into that restaurant? I want you to do that next time. Yeah, Walmart. <laughs> Think of the darkest place that you can... No. I will say that the Walmarts here are so much better than California. I will say that. So much better. There's just room to walk up and down the aisles. I'm so grateful. So again, I want you guys to think about this next time you walk into anywhere. Think, before you walk in that door, think, I am the light of the world. And then you walk through that door and you just shine. Because that's what the light of the world does. Come on, you guys. There's nothing more dangerous to the devil and more powerful on the earth than a believer who fully walks in their heavenly identity. We were in um, Australia several years ago, and um, we were there for a conference. And I remember my friend was running the conference. Her name is Roma Waterman. And I remember the conference was kind of closing up and finishing. We were in this back kind of banquet room. And her youngest daughter, she was like 10 or 11 or something like that, um, maybe even a little older because I was shocked as a teenager, she was cleaning up. Like she didn't have to clean up. And I remember somebody turned to her and it's like, her name was Angel. And they're like, Angel, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to clean up. We've got a staff to do that. And she looked at them and she's like, well, I'm a waterman. This is what we do. Her last name was Waterman. Her name's Angel Waterman. She's like, I'm a waterman. This is what we do. We clean up. And I was so impacted by that because she understood a principle. She knew this is my family. This is what we do. Doesn't matter that somebody didn't ask me to do it. This is who we are. And as a waterman, this is what I'm going to do. All right? So if we took that same principle, guys, let's rephrase this to our, our heavenly identity from Scripture. I'm a child of God. This is what we do. I'm a citizen of heaven. This is what we do. 
I'm a new creation. This is what we do. Do you guys feel the weight of this? I'm the light of the world. This is what we do. Ah, I just feel like that, that, that passage of like all creation is waiting eagerly and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to appear. It's kind of like this, like chaos is going on and like, I'm the light of the world. This is what we do. Like you just show up in your little superhero. This is who God says we are, right? This is your last name. We need to shift our mindsets to embrace who the Bible says our kingdom family name is. This is a vital key for discovering the first component of your heavenly identity, all right? Scripture, that's a whole lot there, but it's so good, isn't it? Okay, so the second access point to discovering your heavenly identity is prophecy. Prophecy. Just as I mentioned earlier, the Bible gives us our last names. Our last names connect us all to one another and to the Father, right? But prophecy speaks to your unique or distinct first name, right? So it's what makes you uniquely you. Just like your first name you will help you identify who you are in the family. Unless you're like, is it Mike Tyson's kids? Who named all his kids like after himself? George, did he name them all George? I'm sure they have a system worked out. Again, remember we talked about earlier in Matthew 16 and those two most important questions. Jesus asked P- Peter, he said, who do you say I am? And Peter responded, you're the Christ. And then, Peter, and then Jesus turned to him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he turns to Peter and he tells him, He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, as soon as Peter answered the question by divine revelation of who Jesus was, then he received a divine revelation of who heaven said he was. They are connected. The Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, again, but did you know, like we pray this all the time, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. On earth as it is in heaven, Bethel is a key component to getting that message out in such a fresh way over the last 20, 30 years. But did you know that one of the most practical ways that you can live from heaven to earth is to actually live through your prophetic identity? It's to live through who heaven says you are. Just as we said earlier, it's like, may I be on earth as I am in heaven. That was Dano's. I will give him credit for that one there. But we're talking about prophetic identity. That means who heaven says you are. And so when I'm on earth as I'm known in heaven, I'm actually living out the fullness of my heavenly identity. That is the prophetic identity. You guys are so easy to preach to. Are you always this easy? Really? Everyone, be, Yeah. Chris is like, yeah. So I received a prophetic word probably 15 years ago that radically shifted my life and my identity. I've also been a worship leader, worship pastor for over 20 years. And uh, there was a season when I was just like leading worship at my little mountain church and a prophet came and he said to me something that just completely changed everything. He said, Bethany, you're not a worship leader who prophesies. You're a prophet who leads worship. 
Now that may sound like semantics, like just a play on words, but you need to understand something. As a worship leader who prophesies, I would play my guitar and I would be like looking to see where the word of the Lord is, you know, and just like trying to access the prophetic. But as a prophet who leads worship, I realized I was the very conduit for which the prophetic grace of God was going to be released on the earth. So it didn't matter what songs I would sing. I could strum my guitar and prophetic grace is released. I could sing a note of any song and it didn't matter what song it was because the prophetic grace would be released. Why? Because I was the anointed prophet. I wasn't looking for the prophetic. I was the prophet who's leading worship. And again, that little simple identity shift completely changed my own worship experience because then I understood how to break through. I knew I was the breakthrough. I wasn't looking for the breakthrough. I was the breakthrough. And that was the shift in my own personal heavenly identity that catapulted me into my destiny. Who heaven says you are. Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18 says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. See, I love this passage because one of the ways, I mentioned this earlier, the best way to war in the spirit is actually to live from your heavenly identity, who God says you are. That's what Paul is telling to Timothy right there. But what happens is many people are trying to fulfill the doing of a prophetic word without the embracing the being first. See, being comes before doing. Everything we do flows from who we are. And so prophetically, living from prophetic identity, as far as who God says I am through prophecy, can look like whenever I feel disqualified or insecure about where God leads me, I remember who heaven says I am, and I wear that like a cloak. When I step into a, an, a platform or a room that I just don't even feel qualified for, has that happened to anybody else in here before? Okay, or I'm about to speak or lead worship or something that, you know, maybe you yelled at your kids that morning or whatever. You're just like, you're having a bad day. When you remember who God says you are, you're not striving to be or do something. You're leaning back into heaven already says you are. And from that place, you just are. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Like the sun doesn't have to make itself shine, right? It just shows up. And that's the key, is, again, is that you come into a, a, an agreement with your heavenly identity. You just have to show up. It's honestly as simple as that. When you agree with who heaven says you are, really agree, and you appropriate, and we're going to talk about that more this weekend. When you actively partner with who God says you are, you just have to show up, you guys. You don't have to make anything or do anything. You just show up. Okay, and then finally, the third key to accessing who heaven says you are is found in your name. Your names. Prophetically, who God says through your names. Um, names, I'm going to give you a couple key pointers with names here. First of all, names relate to your authority and responsibility. 
Your name relates to our authority and responsibility. It tells others who we are and how they can identify and relate to us. God himself has hundreds of names, right? Hundreds and hundreds of names because each one carries its own revelation of the character and nature of God. I am a mother to my children. Okay, that's not just a title they call me. It actually speaks to my authority in their life as well as the responsibility I carry for them. Do you start, are you starting to catch, like your name is more than just an identifier. There is an authority and a responsibility that is attached to every name that you agree with. Um, we were in uh, Singapore several years ago. And uh, Dano was the main speaker, and we had a, he had a team of people with him. And so he was getting uh, ready to speak, and it was like the first service. I think there was like a 1,000 people in the first service. And so they're introducing Dano, and they're going down the, the – how many services? There's like six services. Yeah, it was a crazy big church. And so they're going down the line of Dano's team, and they get to me, and they're like, and this is Dano's assistant, Stephanie, you know, and – I love that you're laughing because that's how I felt. I'm like, that's funny because I'm not his assistant and my name's not Stephanie, right? But oh, that's cute. They tried. You know, let's just clarify it. And so we, uh, after the service was over, we're like, oh, this is actually Pastor Bethany and she works with the team. She's a founder, co-founder, la, da, da. Oh, yeah, 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 we'll get it. So the next service and a thousand people, uh, they went back to the team again and they got to, Beth they got to my name and they're like, and this is Dano's intern, Tiffany. <laughs> I just couldn't, I guess I look like a Tiffany or a Stephanie. Again, I was like, well, my name's not Tiffany, and I'm not his intern, you know. And so Dana was very gracious. He got up and clarified that I was Pastor Bethany. Now, this is why I share the story, because I'm, honestly, I don't care about titles, you guys. That's not what it's about for me. But I did notice that they related to me differently when they recognized that I was Pastor Bethany. They actually were able to receive from me differently. And so, again, it was funny. And it was comical, but can I just tell you, like, even though it's funny, I don't need to identify with something that's not me. I'm not an intern. I'm not an assistant. Like, I'm actually, this is who I am. Because I want them to receive the full benefit of what I carry. And so you actually have to release. Sometimes you just have to clarify people. This is actually who we are. So again, names relate to our authority and our responsibility. Secondly, names reveal identity destiny, and legacy. Okay, the names piece is a huge component. I feel like it's a powerful tool, especially for accessing heavenly identity for the next generation, you guys. I feel like this is, I'm gonna camp on this for just a little bit longer here. This is kind of what we did, actually this is what we did this morning in the prophetic identity workshop was learning how to prophesy using names. But did you know that names reveal your heavenly identity and therefore, it speaks to your destiny and also your legacy. Let's look at the name Jesus. Jesus' name would prophetically speak to who he was and what his destiny would be. Do you guys remember in Matthew 121, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, and he's, he's talking to her about Jesus, and he tells her this. He says, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, Jesus' name means Jehovah is salvation. 
Jehovah is salvation. What you do flows out of who you are. Many are looking for their purpose, but they don't realize that the seeds of their destiny can be found in the name that heaven calls them. Okay, Jesus' destiny was to be the savior of the world. He could not have been named Abraham, which meant exalted father of many nations, because he didn't come to be the exalted father of many nations. He came to be the savior of the world. Therefore, his name had to reflect that identity and therefore his destiny. And it's not just with Jesus, you guys. It's with all of you. It's with all of us. It's who God says we are prophetically through our name. My name is Bethany, and there's many um, different meanings of the name as well as um, there, it was the place where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, right? So uh, I've gotten words before where people are like, I feel like you have a resurrection anointing because that was the place where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And you know what? I do. I carry a resurrection anointing. I have prayed for someone to raise from the dead, but they wanted to stay in heaven. So, you know, I totally understand that. (laughs) Who can blame them, right? But I have a resurrection anointing. I have gone into churches, Christian schools, different places that were dying or had died, and I stepped into those and took responsibility for them and brought those things back to life. I brought ministries back to life, Christian schools back to life, churches back to life. Why? Because I have a resurrection anointing, and it's in my name, and it's who I am. All I had to do, you guys, was show up. I mean, it's hard work. I'm not going to lie. But I had an anointing to bring resurrection. Are you catching this? And it was found in my name. Bethany was also Jesus' favorite resting place. If you look through scripture, it was always the place that he would retreat and go rest. So I believe I'm his favorite resting place right now. I'm just going to receive that. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm going to share a couple of other examples of some names that I believe prophetically speak to identity and destiny. Um, I'm going to Donald Trump. Love him or hate him. It doesn't matter. Did you know that Donald, the name, the meaning of the name Donald means world ruler? And we all know that at one point as president of the United States, they they consider that the the most powerful man in the world, world ruler. My son, Ethan, his name means strong and steadfast. It's very intentional naming him that. And that is an attribute that he carries. He is very steadfast. He is very constant in his temperament, in his decisions. I've seen the meaning of his name actually part of his character right? I've seen it flow out. And I remember there was a time when, um, when recently, two years ago, he just joined the Navy. And when he first came to tell me that he was joining the Navy, I was a little bit nervous as a mother, to be honest, because I just wanted my son to be safe. And so um, I was dialoguing with the Lord about it. And I heard the Lord say, what did you use to speak over him when he was younger? And then I remembered when he was little, he would wrestle around with his little sisters really like a little too aggressively. So I'd pull him aside and I'd say, hey, buddy, God didn't make you strong. That was the meaning of his name. God didn't make you strong to be a bully. He made you strong to be a defender of the defenseless. And when the Lord reminded me of that's what I would prophesy over my son, 
And now he wants to join the Navy, which ultimately in the military is to be a defender of the defenseless. I knew that he was walking in the fullness of his heavenly identity and therefore his destiny. Right? There's a guy, this is kind of funny, but there is a man at uh, True Life Church, our church, and um, I'm not kidding. Birth name, guys. Okay, he, I, like, when I first saw him, I'm like, oh my gosh, he looks like Santa Claus. Like he's got this beard that's down to here. He wears suspenders. He's got the spectacles. Like, like we're like, my girls are like, Santa goes to our church. Has anybody seen him before? He's so cool. Okay, his name. I remember talking to him after, I think this message actually. He came up. His name is Christopher Carol Christmas. Christopher Carol Christmas, and he was born on Christmas Eve, born on December 24th. But what does that speak to who he is? He is a Christ bearer, and he is totally owning the name. I asked him, I'm like, when did you start owning your name? Because he's a professional Santa now. He's like, I actually started doing professional Santa about eight years ago. And it was interesting because I was prophesying over him because St. Nicholas, uh, if you guys remember, was very instrumental in breaking up a human trafficking ring, a child trafficking ring in his day. And so I prophesied over him, I feel like you're going to do something with, you know, rescuing from children trafficking. And him and his wife, he said, we actually uh, adopted a young girl out of human trafficking, you know, a few years ago. So he's already operating in the prophetic identity of his name. Guys, names are so powerful. Your name or what you call yourself or what you allow to call yourself is so powerful for all of those reasons that I shared. But we need to be careful in the midst of this that we don't rename ourselves according to what we feel or life circumstances. We actually see an example of this in the scripture. We see this with Naomi, and Naomi did this in the book of Ruth. Do you guys know the book of Ruth? Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law, and Naomi's husband died, and her only two sons died. So she had no immediate biological family left. And so when her and Ruth went back to Bethlehem, uh, what happened was the women said, this is in Ruth 120, the women, when they saw her coming, because now Naomi's bitter, she's disappointed, life was really hard. And so as she arrived into Bethlehem, the women said, can this be Naomi? And she replied, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me and brought misfortune upon upon me. What happened there? Naomi renamed herself, her identity, based on her pain. How many times do we name or rename ourselves based on the hard things of our life, our negative circumstances, our own feelings. You know, how many are like, well, I'm stupid, or man, I just, you know, I'm an idiot, or things like that. Like, I know those seem like really simple things, but those are identity words, guys. Like, do you realize that? I, that was something as a mother, I was so vigorous on my children whenever they would call each other names. I'm like, you know what? He's not stupid. He may have done a stupid thing, but he's not stupid. There is a difference, right? And so making sure that any identity that was assigned was not, was not assigned by pain or circumstance, but assigned by heaven. 
And the reason why I was vigilant about this, because I understood that if you come into agreement with an identity, it will shape how you live. When you come into agreement with a name, it will shape how you live. It tried to do that with my daughter and the, the lie of shy. I was speaking a few weeks ago in, uh, at a YWAM base, and there was uh, with a group of just great young kids. And there was a young man there that was sharing with me that he had recently come out of the homosexual lifestyle. And so I was just curious. I'm like, how did that start for you? Like, because, you know, you hear in the news, like, oh, it was birth or what, and different things. And I realize everyone has their own story. For him, he said that when he was younger, um, because his voice, he's like a tall young man right now, but when he was younger, his voice was higher, right? So he kind of talked real high pitched and um, he would be called, okay, this is a slang term and I'm just going to share it, but this is what they said. They would call him faggot as a young boy and, and he would have this high voice. What happened was he began to adapt that name as an identity and like, oh, well, maybe that's true. Maybe that is who I am. And so he actually adopted that name, which then shaped his lifestyle for the next 13 years. That's how it started with him. Such a stupid reason. Why? Probably, is it because there weren't any mothers or fathers in his life speaking the truth of his heavenly identity and who heaven said he was? Did you know that there are now 72 gender names out there? 72 gender names. I read an article of a girl who was identifying as a non-binary because her, her given birth name was too feminine. See, why did she do that? She changed her name to something that she was more comfortable with that was neither masculine nor feminine. Why did she do that? Because she even understood the power of a name, right? Names are so powerful and they have the ability to limit us or propel us into our God-intended destiny when we agree uh, when we agree with heavens, anything less than our heavenly names. Um, your name is a treasure map to your heavenly identity and a roadmap to your prophetic destiny. I believe within your names, who heaven says you are, and I'm not just talking about your birth names, you guys. I'm talking about prophetic names also that heaven will speak to you. Come on, sometimes a new season, this will be like my final point here before we close. Sometimes a new season requires a new name. Abram had to have that upgrade to Abraham in order to become the father of many nations. When Jesus wanted his disciples to shift their, uh, their relationship with him and how they functioned with him, he did it by renaming them. He said, no longer do I call you servants or slaves because they don't know what a ma their master's doing, but I call you friends. There is a new name assignment that was a new heavenly identity statement over them. That was a name that he was saying, you're my friend, and as my friend, you have access. This was a paradigm shift for disciples. I love this because they had to choose. See, this was the thing. The disciples had to choose to embrace a new way of seeing themselves so they could function and relate appropriately. They actually had to lay aside, I'm no longer a servant, and they had to pick up, I'm now a friend. Amen. And that's a challenge for us sometimes, because when God calls you something new, it sometimes requires us to lay aside something old and inferior and take on the new upgraded heavenly identity that he says you are. 
right? Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul. About three years ago, God gave me a new name. I have many names, many prophetic names, but this one was a new name. It was, um, again, I shared that book about the Own Your Assignment, which was Apostolic Mother. We were at uh, we were at Bethel actually at School of the Prophets and um, and I was sharing briefly on this message about mothering and Chris Valentin stood up and said you're going to write the book that redefines mothering in the kingdom of God he's like I'm I'm going to write the forward and I'll get Bill to write the endorsement for you which he did so he's a prophet yay he got that taken care of not that we had any doubt but then it was interesting because that was the first kind of um, spoken indirect word about my um, new heavenly identity. Two weeks later, we were at another church and this prophet, he was like speaking and he's like, you know, I'm just going to give two words to each of the team. And when he got to me, he's that apostolic mother. And my whole team started laughing because they knew what was happening. Okay. I just want to tell you guys something like that was not an easy name for me to embrace. Like, just because God calls me that doesn't mean I'm automatically agreeing with it. Like, there's a process to come into agreement and start living out the name of who God says you are. But it does start with asking and then agreeing with that. And that is something that I've been in process with. Ever since I started owning the name, I guess you could say, when I start owning the apostolic mother, I've noticed that destiny opens up for me related to that field. See, when you own who heaven says you are, then your destiny will start to open up. I believe that there's destinies that's waiting for many of you here that has not unlocked yet, has not been activated because you still have refused to own the name that heaven says you are. And it's as simple as just saying, yes, Lord, I agree with who you say I am. We all have new names that are being revealed to us. Um, and some we actually won't even get until we get into heaven, which I'm so grateful for. Revelations 2.17 says, To him who overcomes will be given a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Come on, you guys. We fight the good fight from living from our truest identity, who heaven says you are, who God says our family is, who he tells you are prophetically through prophecy and prophetically through your names. I believe we're called to be uh, reformers, not protesters, right? Did you know the Holy Spirit is a reformer? He didn't come from the outside and tell us to be like Jesus. He came and filled us up on the inside to reform us and our minds so that we could think like Jesus to live like him and to know who he says we are. Again, I believe that this is the call right now for us to reform. We gotta start by believing who heaven says we are. These are three powerful tools to discover who heaven says you are. And then what we can do is once we know who heaven says we are, we can start appropriating that in our life. And then, and this is the key, and this goes back to what I started with. I believe we can turn around this generation and break the spirit of confusion by calling forth the next generation's heavenly identity. 
to look at every son and every daughter and say, this is who heaven says you are. That's a false name. We just break the power of that false name. This is who heaven says you are and continue to speak that truth over them. And I know where it's 830 and kids are, I can feel it already in the atmosphere. Kids are being released. So as a mom, I get that. So you know what? Let's just, um, let's just stand right now. I want to do just a quick call out for those as, did this like help at all? I know I gave you a lot. You're such a generous culture, such a generous culture. All right, these are kind of the, uh, this is where I'm feeling today. Uh, first of all, I feel like there's someone here that needs to break agreement with false names that they have come into identity with. Um, that, that maybe it's something that you have come to, uh, you said over yourself, or maybe others have spoken over you over the years and you've allowed it to become part of who you are and part of your identity. And so um, let's just, let's just actually, can the, maybe the worship band or the keys come up and play or something like that, that would be great. Um, but right now, I just feel like if that's you right now, um, I just want you to just like slip your hand up and just say, yes, there are, there are names right now that I have come into agreement that God wants to shift right now. Come on, you guys, if you stay in agreement with those things, it will absolutely impact your future and your destiny. And we all have things that have been spoken over us. So Father, right now, God, I break the power of these inferior false names, Father God. Lord, right now, God, I ask for the fullness of your heavenly identity to come. Lord, I just pray right now that even as people are standing here, Lord, I pray that if there's any lies that we're believing about our name, about who you say we are, Father, I just pray right now that you would gently drop it in our spirit and it'll come like a I'm stupid or I'm this or something that may be believed. It, I have a feeling for some of you here, it's something that you actually haven't thought of in years, but it was something that you were told when you were a child and it actually shaped an aspect of your life that you didn't even know was affecting you. And I feel like the Lord's gonna bring freedom tonight to you because when you recognize the source and the root of that thing, it's actually gonna, it's gonna break open that area that you've been stuck in. So Father, I thank you right now, Father, that you are releasing your heavenly identity right now. Father, I just pray, Lord, we do. We break the power of every word curse that's been spoken in this place, Father. I just see mothers and fathers that have unintentionally spoken word curses over their children over the years, friends that have spoken word curses over the years, not realizing that those were names that were attaching itself to their identity and therefore impeding their destiny. And so, Father, I thank you right now that you are bringing and shedding your light right now into, Father, those lies and just causing those to be gone. So right now, just wherever you are, if this is you, I just want you to even say in your heart, or you can say it out loud, say, I break agreement with this one, and just to speak it out, just break agreement with this lie, the lie of this name, like with my daughter, break agreement with the lie of shy. I break agreement with the lie of stupid. I break the agreement with not good enough. I break agreement with the name of not qualified. I break agreement. And so there's so many things that, that we need to break agreement with. And then, um, Father, we just ask right now, Lord, that, um, Father, you would speak the truth of who heaven says they are. 
Father, it's not enough to just break the lie. Father, we want to release the truth of who heaven says you are. So right now, Father, just like the oil and the salve, I pray, Lord, that in your kindness and your gentleness, you would speak out of your goodness and your love the truth of who you you called your son and daughter to be. So just receive that, you guys. Just be real intentional right now. Just receive the truth of who heaven says you are, of who God says you are. Yes, Lord. And finally, I just feel a prophetic call to mothers and fathers who are willing to go to war on behalf of the next generation by discovering and praying and calling out the heavenly identity. How many of you, like really, this is a stand. I believe we can turn around this next generation, you guys. I believe, I believe... I believe it's not going to be politics that's going to change this. It's going to be the people of God declaring the heavenly identity over this generation and and to come. And so I believe that there's a call right now for those who will be willing to step in as mothers and fathers. And I'm not just talking about those with children. Every son and daughter needs a mother and father. Everyone, every person is called to be a mother and a father. We're all called to speak into different people's lives. And so if you feel like that is something you wanted to take on, just raise your hand and say, yes, I will be a voice for the voiceless in this next generation. Father. We just ask, Lord, that heaven would open, Lord, that heaven would open and you would show us who their sons and daughters are, Father, those that are lost, this world that is so broken. They don't even know who they are in their very created being. They don't know if they're a girl or a boy, Father. Father, we ask, Lord, that there would be a revelation of the goodness and the love of God. Lord, that you would give us wisdom. You would give us patience. Father, you would give us revelation to speak into the truth of their heavenly identity, who heaven says they are, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the kingdom of God is advancing and you are advancing through your body, Lord. And I just pray a grace right now to embrace, to fully embrace the the heavenly identity that you've given every single one of us, Lord. No more shrinking back. We walk into a grocery store. I'm the light of the world. This is who we are. This is what we do. I'm a citizen of heaven. This is what we do. Come on, pull out. When when you need to, you're having trouble with finances, you pull out your pocketbook. You're like, I'm a child of God. This is who I am. So you get your money. When my kids want money, they come to mama. They They come to me. So we go to our father. This is who you are. Lord, we thank you. I just pray, Father, a radical shift in prophetic identity in this house, God. Who we are individually, but also who we are corporately. Father, even who you've called the city of Austin to be, Father, and all the surrounding regions, Father, there is a heavenly identity and a purpose for every single place, every region, every person. And we want to step into the fullness of it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.